and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I have a question. Erin, is this my last question of 2020? It is. This is the last question of 2020. This is the last episode of the year. Um, you know how many weeks we took off this year? None. Zero weeks. There I was love an us. episode of Hysteria every week this year, except for the final week of the year between Christmas and New Year's. It'll be the first week that we do not release an episode. Do you know that 2020 couldn't stop us? No, 2020 absolutely. Could. We only became more powerful. We did. We kind of mutated. We, we were did. like, we were like a virus. <laughs> Exactly. Well, my question for you was, like, going into 2021, when do you think the next time is you're going to fly on an airplane? I don't know. When will I ever have a place to go? I mean, like, I'm not lying. I could, for real, use a change of scenery. Yeah. I think housing swaps will be big once we've reached herd immunity, once 75% of people are vaccinated. I think people are going to be like, do you want to just switch houses for, like, two weeks? I would love to, like... Like in the movie The Holiday. Yes, exactly. Um, I would love to have like different rooms to walk into. You or know? just like something different to see out my window. Like I'm lucky, mm-hmm. I have trees and everything, but I look out and I just, I keep trying to decorate the trees because they look a little bit different. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, my, well, it's the same day every single day where I live, the same weather every single day, the same view every single day. The only thing that's really changed in the last half of the year has been the uh, anti covid lockdown protests that i hear from the outside of the health inspector's house because she lives in my neighborhood uh so that's not been great let's switch houses in 2021 that's switch houses. here's the thing i just i haven't seen you like in person and i'm not like a huge hugger but i kind of want to hug you i kind of want to hug you too Alyssa. all right let's uh let's get to the show on this week's episode we're joined by ensay ufat Tian Tran, Dana Schwartz, and Naomi Ekperigan to tackle the following questions. Who deserves to be toasted or roasted for how they behaved in 2020? What's coming up in the Georgia Senate races? How are our holiday celebrations changing during the pandemic? And is love actually fine, actually? All this and more right now. And a quick note, as we were recording this episode, news broke that President-elect Joe Biden is nominating New Mexico Congresswoman Deb Holland to be Secretary of the Interior. Not only is she perfect for the job, Holland will be the first ever Native American woman to serve in that position, which is extremely exciting. So a big toast to Representative Holland. Alyssa. We are recording this. We're recording this early. Um, we're because you know we're going to be doing our holiday celebrations or whatever. Actually, the day that this episode comes out will be Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah, it'll be nice. You know, hopefully Santa's masked up. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking for the end of the year, we should do a sort of retrospective toasts and roasts, like a big one. I'm I'm for it. Like okay. kind of like where 2020 just fuck 2020 and then mm-hmm. where like people really excel during this time. True. Yes, exactly. Do you want to do roasts first so we can end on a toasty note? Let's do it. Let's do roasts first. We're going to fuck it. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. No one's going <laughs> to yell at us. Caroline's <laughs> muted. She can't interject. Um, okay. Um, roasts. Who would you like to start out with a roast for? Well, in October, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed, replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court in potentially the super spreader event of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, it took a month for the Senate to confirm Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, mm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, you know, her family was still probably like in the very freshest stages of mourning, and they still took a month to defy her dying wish and make sure to get uh, an actual zealot confirmed to the Supreme Court. Um, I think it, it's worth mentioning that it's taken them eight months to come up with a new COVID relief package. I was just going to say the same thing. We are always on the same page. Mind meld. Um, Mind meld. So yeah, a roast to uh, to Amy Coney Barrett for, um, you know, her legacy is always going to be tainted by mm. the fact that she gave the president COVID. And really, I think that the, the pandemic really kicked into a new and shitty gear after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's always going to be attached to her, no matter what she does as a judge. It's just sort of like Sandra Day O'Connor with Bush v. Gore. You know, it is. And, you know, it's kind of like her confirmation kicked off the second wave of coronavirus that Mike Pence repeatedly said was never going to happen. Yeah, here we are. One of the and then, you know, Mike Pence is is right now about to be um, publicly inoculated. He's going to get the shot on camera. Um, So that's, you know. How how the turntables, as they said in the office. Um, also, I was just thinking about Amy Coney Barrett and how, you know, that meme online that's like the four genders and it'll be like four different flavor or it'll be yeah. four like different frozen treats or whatever. You know how I've like joked that the four genders are uh, Sephora, <laughs> GameStop, Michaels and Home Depot. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I think that like just taking a look at like the different types of conservatives on the Supreme Court, it's sort of like, wow, we've got all four of the genders of conservatives. You know, we've got the like we've got the absolutely nuts uh, Roman Catholic guy in Samuel Alito. Like this. Right. I'm and I'm Catholic, so I can shit on Catholics. It's not any Catholic. It's fine. Um, we've got Samuel, Samuel Alito, who is like the absolutely nuts Roman Catholic guy. We've got, uh, Neil Gorsuch, who's sort of the, the like Sam, the Eagle, like stern logic Muppet. Who, yes. Uh, like you don't think that he ever laughs or if he does, it's at weird times. Doesn't laugh. Yeah. Right. There is no we, laughter. Right. And then we have Brett, the beer crusher Kavanaugh, like a party boy fuck up who is considers it like oppression when he doesn't get all of you know, get his get everything he and wants. Never solved a crime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who I think would have been exactly the type of person to call the cops on Brett Kavanaugh. Like without question. The the like dour buttoned up like zealot, but a lady zealot. And it's just, you know, we've got a real rainbow of garbage there. Um, (laughs) I wanted to roast uh, the White House Communications Office, the outgoing White House Communications Office, not the incoming one. I think the incoming one we're excited about. Um, In June, Sarah Huckabee Sanders left the White House and Kayleigh McEnany replaced her. So kind of out of the frying pan and into the younger, blonder frying pan in this case. Um, Both of them are big time liars. And I can't believe that we've only been dealing with Kaylee McEnany since June. It seems like so much longer. And isn't this just not to just rehash history, but didn't Kaylee say in her first press conference she'd never lie? (laughs) Her first lie. Her Her very first lie. Congratulations, Kaylee. I hope there's an ornament on her tree that says that. (laughs) My first lie. My first lie. Yeah. Or like a cross stitch on her her, um, entry wall. 
Um, let's see. I uh, do. Do you have another roast that you want to do? I mean, how could 20, the roasting of 2020 be complete without saying, fuck you, Mitch McConnell? Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is the hideous turtle that, he, like, he is, he is, there is nothing positive. You can't say one good thing about him. There's not mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. He has, he is not a Republican. He's a Trumper. He, it's like, you know, the thing that bugs me so much about this year in Mitch McConnell, it's like, mm-hmm. he's been waiting his whole life for this year. Like, mm-hmm. like to be as gross and inhumane as he is in his heart to be out loud. Mm-hmm. And he just felt free to let his evil freak flag fly this year. And uh, it's flying. It flew. I hope it's almost done. But uh, he just, he's a bad person. He's a bad person. He deserves to feel bad, but I don't think he's capable of feeling bad. I think he's kind of like the Bob Iger of Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> like, okay, so Bob Iger is a very important executive yes. in Hollywood. Very tan. The joke is that DC is Hollywood for ugly people in all the worst possible ways, that it's very climbery. Uh, it's a lot of schmoozing, a lot of garbage people rising to the top by fucking other people over. Um, the, the difference between Hollywood and DC is it's warmer here and in DC people, it, it's not a it's not a town. Uh, the political class in DC does not have a reputation of being very good looking. And in Hollywood, they do have a reputation of being good looking. So anyway, that's why he's no, the Bob but Iger. You can see for all those reasons you articulated why I did not thrive in DC. <laughs> yeah, DC. The DC like natives are great. DC, DC yeah. is is its own separate thing. When we say DC, we're talking about like the political A very specific radius. Yeah, a very, very specific radius and a very specific type. Um, I have a roast. I'd like to roast Melania Trump. Uh, this is an audio thing that you guys are listening to. Obviously, you can't see my sweater, but I am wearing a shirt that I bought when I was tipsy um, because it kept being targeted advertised to me. It is a shirt that Comedy Central is selling, and it says, who gives a fuck about Christmas stuff and decoration, question mark, which is a quote from our first lady taken from a secretly recorded tape by her best friend, Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. Um This is Melania just complaining about having to do a job. Anything. <laughs> having to do anything. Um, she was whining about having to decorate the White House for Christmas, and uh, I just think she deserves a roast. She's been a terrible first lady, and she has not been best. She hasn't been been close to best. Erin... This isn't even scripted. I was just going to make a be best joke. Oh, man. She she had one job and she was like, fuck Christmas. Who cares about Christmas? And I would just like to say, if we look at the sales at Walmart, Lowe's, any place that sells Christmas decorations, never before have places been sold out weeks before Christmas because so many people cared about their Christmas decorations. So fuck you, Melania, for always missing the point. Lots of people give about uh, give a fuck about Christmas stuff and decoration, Melania. Um, real, real, real quick, let's do some rapid fire roasts so we yeah. can get to the toast. Um, do you want to go? I I have two quick ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to uh, roast Ivanka for blaming farts on other people. <laughs> I'd also like to roast Rudy for ignoring his farts altogether. <laughs> That's true. There were a lot of farts in this fart of a year. There's a there's a fart news cycle for sure. Um, I want to add to the Ivanka discourse um, that 
you know, news reports that came out last week said that Ivanka had personally been interfering with CDC's response to COVID by mm. offering unsolicited advice. Um, I just think it's kind of funny that all of the right is is freaking out right now about the first lady, the incoming first lady, having an actual doctorate and wanting to be called doctor when they're not really saying very much about Ivanka Trump pretending to be a doctor. Uh, so that's very true. I mean, they're hypocrites. Who could have? I'm so surprised I might take a nap. Um, quick, two quick roasts. I would like to roast cruise ships and the entire cruise industry uh, for being floating Petri dishes. It was funny when it was just giving everybody the shits. It is not funny when it's spreading COVID globally and that and they're chomping at the bit to, to resume operations. I think it's an industry that we should either let die or only let survive in a much more eco-friendly and a much less... Uh, disease way. Um, and on that note, I also want to roast uh, selfish assholes who partied during COVID. And among those assholes, I'm including people who went ahead with plans for big weddings and people who are planning on going ahead with plans for big weddings um, in places where it is just not safe to have big weddings. Um, it, I have, I have a couple friends that have dealt with the awkwardness of having somebody that they're close to having a wedding during the pandemic and having to try to navigate how to tell them that they can't go. Um, that sucks. It sucks that you're putting your the people who attend in a position to get sick or make other people sick. And it sucks that you're pe- putting people who won't attend in a position to have, you know, to ruin the friendship. Like, fuck you. That sucks. Um, do you have any more roasts? No, it's pretty much it. Fuck 2020. Two more quick ones. Stephen Miller and his wife had a kid, uh, seemingly oblivious that their human child is a human child, just like the human children that he fought to have separated from their families at the Mexican border. Fuck Stephen Miller forever. Uh, And then Tyson Foods uh, Mm. endangering the lives of their workers uh, in a really disgusting way and and really contributing to the spread of COVID. Okay, now I kind of want to like shake off, you know, like a dog will shake their head and their neck and their tail and their butt. Kind of want to shake off snow everywhere. Exactly. Uh, snow and sometimes like mud. Luca loves to find the mud and play in it. Let's let's move on to toast. What's the first toast, Alyssa? I think the first toast might be because we love her so much for so many reasons. She gives us so many reasons all day, every day to love her. But we've had some pretty, in terms of like us personally having a year we had great guests on our show this year. Like, like mm-hmm. we still have many dream guests, but we've had so many dream guests this year. And one of those dream guests was Elizabeth Warren, who mm-hmm. did us a massive solid and broke big news uh, on, on Hysteria in October. And she told us what Bailey was going to be for Halloween. And mm-hmm. in the lighthearted love of 2020, I just, I appreciate her for that. And I toast her for trusting us with that news. Mm-hmm. Yes, Elizabeth Warren. Um, I want to... Piggyback on that by toasting another Massachusetts yes. politician who we love, who has also been on the show this year, Ayanna Presley. Ayanna Presley is somebody who is only going to get uh, bigger and more important, and that's for the the good of everybody. Honestly, um, in January, the the thing I want to toast her for though doesn't have to do with her politics, which are great. And I, I really adore her, her, um, presence as a Congresswoman, but in January, she revealed that she has alopecia and, uh, has started appearing in public just bald, um, and, and completely like brave. And, and I just think it's awesome because it's a, it's a condition that a lot of people have and to see somebody so visible being so 
you know, unapologetic about it is, is really good. Um, you want to go another toast? I have, uh, I have two quick ones that are Twitter related. Okay. I'd like to toast share for consistently trying to volunteer, uh, at the USPS on Twitter in Malibu, California. (laughs) There was nothing better than her all caps, mostly tweets about how no one will answer the phone. And that when they talk to her, she, they don't know who she is. And she wasn't like mad about it so much. She was just trying to prove that she was like a real person. And then also (laughs) Dionne Warwick for just showing up at the end of the year. Oh my God. When she t- Dion Warwick has been real top notch. If you just follow Dion Warwick and Leslie Jones watching cable news, <laughs> it is just, it is the delightful side of Twitter. And Twitter does not have many delightful sides. No, it's true. Twitter is, a, is an anxiety machine that we all are like, yes, give me more anxiety. <laughs> um, I do owe my career to it, but it is terrible and it shouldn't exist. Um, I want to toast on the celebrity note. I want to toast Dolly Parton for Mm. generally being a a beacon of light and happiness and hope. She's done, she's kind of low key done so much like community service type stuff during her career. The the latest was giving a million dollars to early efforts to develop a vaccine. The FDA, um, the week that we're recording this. So by the time people hear it, the FDA will have probably approved the vaccine that she gave a million dollars to help develop, which is amazing. And I think if Dolly Parton ran for president, she would win. Do you have a favorite Dolly Parton Christmas song? It's hard candy Christmas. Mine's Christmas to remember with Kenny Rogers. <laughs> oh, that's a good one too. Hard candy Christmas like hits it's a very special, good. Yeah, it hits a special place. Oh, Letitia James. We got <gasps> to toast Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, who sued to dissolve the NRA in August. Uh, wow, that woman is she's a fucking machine. I encourage machine. everyone who thinks they've been productive during the day to look at her Twitter feed where she recounts all the things that she's done during the day, which just is investigation after investigation after suit. It is uh it is a thing of beauty. She is a she's a warrior. Yeah, she like pursues the truth. The way that like, and I don't want to like make this a minimizing comparison, but like, have you ever like, have you ever been with somebody like in a relationship with them and you're like convinced to their cheating and you go into like investigating mode and you uh, like, I've, I've cannot, been there. Yes. Right. And you like, know you have a hunch and you know that you're right and you cannot, you, you will, fi- you will figure it out. I feel like she does that times a million as it relates to the interests of the people in New York. She's and you just know really, what? When you have that hunch, you're almost never wrong. You're right. You're right. You're almost never wrong when you have that hunch. Um, let's see. Oh, Savannah Guthrie. Oh, gotta give, gotta give a toast to Savannah Guthrie. She moderated a town hall with Trump when he wouldn't go to the debate with Joe Biden uh, because he had COVID. It was it's a whole thing. Um, but she was uh, a competent moderator, and she really. Um, she, I feel like that was kind of an inflection point in the campaign where, yeah. you know, everybody was sort of not, not really coming out and saying it. And then she came out and say it, said it. So toast to Savannah Guthrie. And then our friend Z-Way. Oh yeah. We got to toast Z-Way. She's Just had Z-Way. <laughs> she's had, she's had a year. Um, let's see real quick. Oh, Katie Porter. 
obviously, has been mega important. And uh, she also, she and Dolly Parton could run for president together and it would be game over. Um, (laughs) I want to toast Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes. Um, She's a new kind of politician who has really demonstrated uh, she's so good at communicating with people who feel disenfranchised by the system, but who Mm -hmm. feel very passionate about issues. And it's so important to have her voice in the conversation. It's so important to have her holding the fire to the people who are in charge of the democratic party. I'm, I just think every single time I see her appear in public, I am more and more impressed with her and glad that we have her. Totally. And it's like one of the more, one of the fun sports of 2020 was watching old white men in the House and Senate consistently underestimate her, try to attack her on Twitter and then get completely owned in just like such low hanging fruit, but she just nails it on the head every time. And also I think that she's one of the few Democrats that's really branched out and tried to figure out like where and how to communicate with people and will always experiment. And it's just like good for her. Mm -hmm. Good for her. I'm so glad that we have her. Um, Some non-politician people. I want to toast the TikTok kids who... (laughs) who uh, were angry at Donald Trump for threatening to ban TikTok. And so they requested tons and tons of tickets to his rally in Tulsa. Um, The rally in Tulsa in June was one of the first large public events anywhere in the country after the first lockdown of the pandemic. Um, It was held in a venue that seats 19,000 people. The plan was to have no social distancing. What happened was only 6,000 people showed up and the president looked like a fool. So I don't know how much of it was the TikTok kids, but I love their spirit. (laughs) Love their spirit. I would like to toast also non-politicians, Chef Jose Andreas and Tom Colicchio and Guy Fieri. I had to to toast these three dudes. The mayor of Flavortown, they have done more (laughs) in this year than the federal government to help feed America's uh, starving people in conjunction with organizations like Feeding America. And um they're just like out there fucking trying to get it done. And they're not the people who are posting pictures of themselves on Instagram. Like, here's the check I gave. They're like actually doing the work. And I just, I just say thank you, especially at the holidays. They're just trying to make sure everybody has a meal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to admit it. I, I, I think growth is good. And I'm going to admit some growth here. Mm. I was one of those people that was sort of like, you know, snidely dismissive of Guy Fieri because I don't like the type of food that he cooks and eats on his show. But like, he's a good person and he's doing good for his community. And I was maybe a bit of an asshole by being a jerk about him. Look, we all see that we all see the light different times. That's true. The Guy Fieri light. I'm just picturing like a, like a devotion candle with Guy Fieri's picture on it. (laughs) I might have to make one. I might have to, I'll make one over the holidays. I don't have anything else to do. Um, let's see. Oh, Rebecca Jones, the former Florida official who, um, circumvented her state government to get information about COVID out to the masses heroically. Um, she put herself in the line of, uh, the governor's wrath in Florida, governor Ron DeSantis, who is just fucking idiot. Um, and she's just like been, I think people like her standing up are so important to combating the stupidity in charge of a lot of places. So toast to Rebecca Jones. Who else do? Oh, how can we not talk about the ladies of Georgia? 
Oh, yeah. We got to talk about the ladies of Georgia. Erin, you talk about the ladies of Georgia. Well, we are interviewing one of them today. Georgia flipped blue for the first time since, what, 1988? Yep. Presidential election. So, yeah, we have to thank women like Stacey Abrams, Latasha Brown, and Ense Ufot, uh, who we interview later in the show. So everybody should listen to that. Um, they did so much work on the ground, understood how to get people to vote, and got people to the polls. And they won a state where everything was stacked against them. And they flipped it. I was shocked when Georgia went blue. I think Stacey Abrams was not. And for a woman so busy, Stacey Abrams took the time to not only come on Hysteria, but she brought a little bit of her alter ego, Selena Montgomery, with her, which was a true joy. Wait, is it Selena Montgomery or is that the name of the vice president from Veep? No, Selena Selena Montgomery is her romance novelist pen name. Selena Myers is VP. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Guys, that's really funny. So that was a funny. That's a that's a funny mistake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. One more person that I think, or one more group. This is a big group. What? Um, oh, before I get to that, WNBA players. For oh being yeah really on the front edge of integrating social activism and sports and really not backing down from people who were trying to be confrontational, like Senator Kelly Loeffler, who hopefully will not be a senator after January. Um, the last group is a big group, but we've talked about them on the show. Uh, nurses, teachers, doctors, and hospital and school employees, and uh, all, the, all of the people, all of the people in professions that are tend to be kind of female heavy, who were put on the front lines, who were leaned on a lot this year, who are probably exhausted. I know that like toasting is not enough. You should get paid more and people should respect you more. But um, I just think that, you know, without without those people, society totally falls apart. And hopefully moving forward, we can treat them as uh, important as they actually are to society. Also, the mothers and fathers, but if we're being honest, mostly mothers, who suddenly had to take on way more than they should have this year, um, like doing homeschooling their kids and working remotely and, you know, like a million ands that got added onto the title of being a parent. Uh, I cannot imagine how hard that was for you. And I'm like... I mean, hopefully 2021. I hope, I hope you get to go to a spa. I hope you get to, I hope you get to go into a room. Just be alone for a day. Just a whole day alone in a room where nobody tries to bug you about anything. I would love that. And also final toast. Um, I learned from Facebook that one of my high school classmates was the first person to administer a COVID vaccine in Minnesota. So a toast to my former classmate, Jamie, I'm not going to give her last name, but yeah, I was pretty excited for her. That's awesome. Yay. Okay. I think we toasted and roasted a lot. I feel good. I feel like we really good. like shook 2020 off. Yeah. Shook it off like a dog shaking off some water in an entryway. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we have an interview with Ense Ufot, who is helping flip Georgia blue and uh, hopefully will help flip the Senate blue as well. Welcome back. Today, we are so pleased to welcome Ense Ufot, 
She's the chief executive officer of the New Georgia Project and the New Georgia Project Action Fund, which seeks to register all eligible unregistered citizens of color in the state of Georgia. And she's one of the many women we have to thank for helping flip Georgia blue. So welcome, Ense. We're so glad to have you. Hi, Erin. Happy to be here. Okay. So first of all, massive congratulations to you and the New Georgia Project for all the hard work you put in flipping Georgia blue for Biden. Thank you. Um, So I am dying to know, when did you realize the state had flipped? And can you walk me through where you were, how you were, how you reacted and how the other people working with you reacted to it? Okay. If I'm going to be very honest, it was election night. Really? Yes. Because we had a sense of where the outstanding ballots were and we had seen what the margins were. Um, And so we had already gone into ballot chasing, provisional ballot chasing election protection mode, right? With the idea being that um, for three days after the election, that people who their their absentee ballots had been rejected or they had been given provisional ballots and they were eligible to vote a regular ballot, that they had three days after the election day to get their ballot cured um, so that their vote actually counted. And so um, my entire staff, they're going to be so upset with me, but my entire staff was like freaking out. Like people were really sad and in their feelings. And I kept saying like, we have to normalize not having a result on election night. That today is the last day to vote. Today is election day. It's not results day. Mm -hmm. Right. And that we have to give the process Mm -hmm. time to work. We had recruited 4,500 volunteers, voter protection and election protection volunteers to observe and monitor voting at about 250 polling locations across the state and to monitor counting. Um, And so we felt pretty confident that um, we were going to, at the very least, know how they were going to steal it. Uh, at the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. we were going to know exactly how the election was stolen. Uh, but best case scenario was that every vote was counted uh, and there was a smooth and transparent process. I think that when I like knew, knew and like when the world knew, um, I was, um, I mean, it, it all feels like a blur. Uh, I, I mean, it, and. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I can be blamed. We've had three official recounts uh, mm-hmm. at taxpayers' expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I, when I, I remember feeling elated, I remember feeling a little vindicated. Uh, I would like to think that I am mature and like <laughs> above all of that. Uh, but I definitely did like an end zone dance. Uh, <laughs> Um, Because, I mean, we've been talking about the South and the opportunities in the Deep South for so long. Um, And, like, the numbers are there. The math is there. Uh, I think that we just had had trouble with the narrative, uh, that people did not believe uh, that, you know, a state that heavily, that one out of three voters are Black, uh, that a multiracial, multiethnic, multilingual progressive majority um, exists in the Deep South. Um, And so, yeah, I think overcoming those narratives was a challenge, but, um, you know, I still pinch myself. I'm still super excited. um, And I'm still looking to prove that it wasn't a fluke. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that next test. We're moving 
close to the Senate runoffs. Um, there's already been record-breaking early voting. According to Fair Fight, it's 23% higher than on day one of early voting in the presidential. Um, and that tur- turnout is massive. So to what do you attribute this surge in turnout to when in November there were more votes cast for Biden than there were for Ossoff or Warnock? Um, uh, so a couple things. One, uh, we'll, we'll take the second question first. Uh, Warnock ran against 20 other doors, 20 doors. So there were 21 people uh, challenging and contesting uh, in the special election for United States Senate. And so with the split, that's a real thing, right? Like divided loyalties within parties and all along the ideological spectrum. I think undercounting is a real thing, right? So people knew that they wanted to like vote for president and then walked out. Um, It's not a massive trend, but um, I think that it can account for some of that. Um, And then from what we've seen, um, we can attribute the increase in participation to a lot of things. One, organizing, uh, right? The idea that, uh, you know, from Georgia leading the country in jump in youth voter registration from 2016 to 2020. Um, and like the number one country, <laughs> a number one state in the country, a 35% jump. Um, I think two, uh, you know, we have uh, the pandemic, right? That there's nothing that focuses the mind like uh, the credible threat of death. Uh, <laughs> that you had a, a president telling us to drink bleach. You have a governor lying about what he knew about the pandemic, about the coronavirus. Uh, and it's, again, not lost on Georgians that our governor's mansion is less than three miles away from the CDC's headquarters. So, really? Uh, <laughs> we have a, a governor that sued cities for uh, trying to pass mask ordinances. Uh, we have eight hospitals in rural Georgia that have closed. Uh, there was a hospital in rural Georgia that closed days before the election. Um, and so, like, not only are people still having babies, people still fighting cancer, uh, but ICU beds are running out because of COVID. Oh, and by the way, hospitals tend to be the largest employers uh, in the communities where they are. And so, like, there's a sense that, um, you know, here's an opportunity to elect some folks who are accountable to our communities who know what's happening in Georgia, uh, who understand the hard uh, and who will go to D.C. to do the people's work. I think the protest this summer had uh, a lot to do with turnout. I watched young people get radicalized and start to, um, you know, ask questions about uh, municipal budgets uh, and, and spending on police and like, oh, wait, the mayor does what? City council is responsible for who? Okay. Um, And, you know, Ahmaud Arbery was a young man in Brunswick, Georgia, who was murdered. And the district attorney had videotaped evidence of his murder and held on to it for 74 days. Uh, before an international sort of campaign of pressure to release those videos. And then she finally charged uh, his murderers. Um, Young folks in Brunswick, in Glynn County, Georgia, in southeast Georgia, across the rural Black Belt saw that. We registered to vote, people to vote. We had teach-ins. And now Jackie Johnson is unemployed. And while I don't celebrate anyone losing their job, what she doesn't need to do is 
be doing the people of Glynn County's work, uh, that she has fallen down on her job. And so the young people that we've registered, that we organize with in Southeast Georgia, see that. Uh, they've seen that power, um, that, that power that they have to fire someone. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's pandemic. I think it's protest. Uh, and that is why we saw elevated participation at the polls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ke- Kelly Leffler and David Perdue have very fireable personalities. Like, <laughs> right, right. you know, like right. they're very detestable right. people. You fireable couldn't design. Faces. Yeah. <laughs> resting Resting fireable face. (laughs) Um, You know, it's really interesting to hear you talk about local and state elections and the sort of like crash course in civics that so many people have gotten thanks to like people like you on the ground organizing and thanks to like the news media kind of like elevating stories that weren't being elevated before. Um, I want to talk about women's role in this kind of awakening that we're experiencing right now, like women in particularly and particularly black women have played a huge role in organizing and flipping Georgia blue and building political power in the state. Why do you think that there are so many women at the center of this? Right. Um, So one, I was just going to comment on your earlier comment about uh, sort of the idea that civics has been um, elevated in our public discourse. I think part of it is because it's being attacked as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like we now have to talk about it because what is that? You don't know what you've missed until it's gone. And mm-hmm. so thinking about like how we've taken voting and our democratic norms for granted, small d democratic norms for granted. Um, and like when we see somebody like really just spit at them and say, F your norms, uh, it really makes you realize um, what is at stake and like what is what are protected by laws and what are protected by just agreements that we have not to be awful to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think recognizing that people sort of rising up using their voices. I would also say that in this moment, um, I think that because there has been a sort of outsized credit given to this country's pale, male, stale minority, that they take up more space than they are a, a credit, like that they deserve and that they should in public life. And so I think that the idea that like, women and women of color and black women um, sort of occupying and uh, occupying this space, um, showing up loudly and boldly, but also super effectively uh, mm-hmm. and uh, efficiently, despite people sort of denying our contributions, despite the underinvestment. Um, yeah, I think it's just I don't, you know, I don't know if there's, there's nothing magical about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's labor. It's hard work. It is um, a fidelity to our communities and sort of a, an unshaking, unwa- unwavering, unyielding sort of faith in what we can build together, um, a recognition. Like, I think that people are, it shocks me that people are shocked that there are progressives in the South. 
right? Like, mm-hmm. literally, that is how we survive. <laughs> like, or, an organizing culture where we take care of each other, where there's a multiracial, multilingual, multigenerational coalitions. It's literally how you survive under extreme oppressive conditions, right? We have people that are running for United States Senate right now who refuse to acknowledge that President-elect Biden won that the Electoral College has voted, right? That we have people who um, are encouraging violence against poll workers and organizers and folks who run voting rights groups. And so the way that we have survived, the way that groups like the New Georgia Project have survived has been because of women's leadership, women of color's leadership, Black women's leadership, and our commitment to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Uh, so I, I'm going to cut to the chase. Yeah. What is your, what's going to happen on January 5th? What's your gut feeling telling you? And second part of that question is what is your plan if we take back the Senate and what's your plan if we don't? Um, so my gut feeling is that we're going to pull this out. I'm excited about it that my gut feeling is that we have to, It is the nature of battleground state politics, right? That the elections are determined by who shows up and whose votes get counted. And so we're doing everything that we can in this moment to make sure that all of our folks show up, right? And the numbers are bearing that out. They're like, our plan is working. Mm-hmm. And then um, whose votes get counted, right? So I'm hoping that, you know, talking to folks like you, but also just the thousands of volunteers that we have uh, to do voter protection and election protection, that we can keep eyes and ears on every element, on every step of the process that make it that much more difficult to steal an election. And so I think that if people are allowed un- unfettered, unmolested, uninterfered with access to the ballot, that Georgians will come out again and make history. Oh, that's um, so exciting. From your from your lips to God's ears, you know, like that would be that would be so exciting to watch. And um, in terms of who wins or in, if we win or lose, I, I think our plans for 2021 going forward are the same. Um, that we, you know, that we have a very clear agenda uh, that centers racial justice and environmental justice. Right. That like there, there needs to be an increase in the minimum wage that we need to explore the tenants of the Green New Deal. Um, that Medicare for all are some sort of universal health care. Georgians desperately need it. Um, I, yeah, that, that those don't change regardless of who's in the Senate. Um, just knowing who is on the other side of the bargaining table is helpful, uh, but our agenda is the same. Mm-hmm. Speaking of environmental justice, how about Deb Holland, huh? Yes. So exciting. I know, I know. I'm so used to like managing my emotions uh, uh-huh. as these cabinet positions get rolled out. So like to uh, just no, to not have to equivocate and to say like boldly, like good job. Uh, uh-huh. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're excited over here too. We're big Deb Holland fans. If you can be a fan. Which of a also politician. flags that Daniel Blackman is running for a public service commission. So we spend a lot of time and attention talking about the two U.S. Senate races on the ballot in Georgia. But for any Georgians that are listening, mm-hmm. uh, there's a third runoff 
and that's for the Public Service Commission. They are they regulate the utilities across the state. There are you know the the power plant that manages our um, how much we pay for our utility bills every month. Like that is such an important seat. It's such an important seat in this moment. And the Georgians have an opportunity to elect Daniel Blackman as well as Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff the millennial senator. (laughs) That's exciting. Um, So how can our listeners get involved in the Senate runoff campaigns in a productive way, whether or not they live in Georgia? Yes. Um, Visit us. um, So NGPAF.org. All of our information is there. You can give us your pennies so that we can put it into ads. We can put it into our staff. We have a plan of knocking on a million doors by the end of the year. We've already crossed the 700,000 door threshold. And so even in the middle of a pandemic, after deep consultation with public health experts and our staff and our board, we're out here trying to have high quality conversations. And so visit us at ngpaf.org to figure out um, ways to plug into our volunteer efforts, even if you're not in Georgia, or to invest in the work of building back better. Oh, what a great way to end this great conversation. Conversation. I could probably sit here and talk to you for hours and say, and say, Ufat of the New Georgia Project and the New Georgia Project Action Fund. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will all eyes on Georgia, January fifth. All eyes on Georgia. Thank you for having me. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> five the, stars no five, comment 100% great that's the type that's my favorite sport the new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit all things that are absolutely essential in a legging essential uh, I love these leggings they are because you know like not everybody's the same you know so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty so I size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I 
com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to Viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Okay, we're back. We've reached the part of the show where we're joined by more people to help Alyssa and I feel less alone. But because this is a holiday week show, rather than doing like a, you know, mailbag episode where we just kind of phone it in, we're going opposite and we're bringing extra people in because we know uh, you're probably not spending the holidays in as big a group as you would prefer. You're probably not with your families and so, you know, let us be your family. Eat some eat some pie, eat some turkey, and uh, tuck in. I want to bring in the rest of the panel. First one, uh, she is a writer, comedian, and uh, she's recording from a, a castle in <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> it's, it's Tian Tran. Hello, Tian. Hello. Thank you for letting everyone know I live in a castle. I've been trying to keep that a secret because I want to be more relatable. did you guys get snow we got a dusting we got a nice dusting um nothing too crazy though like i think an inch it's very nice that's that's basically just like a powdering it's a powdering you got a little powdering a nice a nice foundation oh that's good hopefully you'll get dumped on before christmas because (laughs) that's that's Um, up next, she is an author, a TV writer, and a Love Actually apologist. Please welcome Dana Schwartz. <laughs> so happy to be here. So happy to have you, Dana. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I think, you know, relatively to the year, pretty okay. I have a really, a book deadline. A book is due the first week of January. So this is a really nice interacting with human beings instead of being like in my <laughs> writing pod. Do you feel like in your writing pod, you sometimes like lose the ability to Talk. Yeah, is that obvious with how I'm interacting no. with people? Right <laughs> you sound now? you sound great. You, I did not need. I did not mean to sound like Amy Klobuchar being like, "Hello." I do have big, local big, my local government experience, and I love trains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, last but not least, she's a comedian, actor, writer, and anti-germ warrior. It's Naomi Ekperigan. Uh, Hello, Naomi. Hello. Can we talk about how many people came into my mentions after last? time I was on the I feel petty uh-huh. these people came very serious and it was like ma'am the segment is called I feel petty <laughs> Not, I feel ready to engage in a serious debate about library books on the street <laughs> oh, I'm sorry Naomi I'm sorry that you had to, to survive that you're a true you're a, you're a you're a survivor and an inspiration to everybody for having to look thank at you <laughs> thank you for saying it okay on recorded media thank you <laughs> um let's get into talking about you know this this is about a wrap on 2020 2020 sucks anybody who had a good 2020 better shut the fuck up about it because it yes. wasn't everybody the bad 2020s were so bad that nobody needs to hear about your 2020 being good. Um, now that being said, Naomi, mm-hmm. were there any good things that happened this year? Like, were there any high points for you that stuck out or did you learn any lessons that you find will be valuable? Well, I guess a high point was not getting COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a pretty high point. I think for all, you know what I mean? Like if anyone didn't get COVID, that's amazing. So mm-hmm. I think we should celebrate that. What did I learn? I guess I love my partner. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, you know, sometimes you don't know. And then you're left in the house together for nine months straight. And you realize, okay, okay, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to kill you in your sleep. That's great. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a good lesson. Um, so you didn't co- you didn't become infected with a deadly virus, yes. and you didn't murder your partner. Those are positives, yes. definite positives. Yes. Um, Alyssa, what were your high points from the year, if any? Well, Erin, I think we've talked ad nauseum about how proud I am of myself for being self sufficient. I've learned how to do things in the yard. I have pretended to be Ma Ingalls for extended periods of time over the summer. And now that we have 20 inches of snow, you know that I'm living the episode where they're like stuck in the snow drift on Christmas Eve because Ms. Beetle lets them out of school early. Um, I made 500 jars of jams and I actually put some fucking labels on them and I'm going to do things with them. And... I got you guys. So yay. (laughs) That's, that's really, you know, I think that like you really moved up. If there was like an apocalypse team draft, you know how like the NBA draft, you would be a a first round pick. I'm moving there. Because Mm -hmm. I will preserve our food. I will pick our food. I will keep our food alive and regale you with funny stories at the end of the day. It's like full service. It's like like apocalypse spa. And you have a pink Christmas tree. Two. I have two pink trees. Two pink, two two. pink Christmas trees. Yeah. Um, Dana. Yes. What have been some high points for you from this hellish year? Um, well, I have to, to echo what Naomi said and say, like, I felt very fortunate that I didn't get COVID and that my family was healthy and safe. So that was, I think, the big one. Uh, I fell in love this year, which was fun. Wow, that was a really exciting thing. It you was fell like, in love in a hopeless place. I literally wow. did. I literally, I had one of those mythical COVID romances where uh, it started on a pod. He invited me on his podcast, which oh is the most God. 2020 way to meet someone. And then I think COVID actually really helped like bring the relationship forward because before we met in person, we texted a lot. And then we started talking on the phone a lot. We had like hour-long phone conversations, like the olden days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we <laughs> met in person. rom-com, Dana. I know. There was that, like, camaraderie. And, yeah, it, it was really nice. I mean, knock on wood again. But that was definitely the bright spot of this year for me. That's so that's cute. Really, that's that's so really nice. nice. Yeah. Tian, same question for you. Um, oh, gosh. I want to echo what everyone has said. Yeah, same thing. Didn't get sick. And also my family members and friends, thankfully, have also not gotten sick. Um, I am normally long distance with my partner and this kind of pushed us together. So same thing. Don't want to, don't want to kill my partner. It's been great. I feel like now we're like absolutely no more long distance. Um, but I do like to wake up every morning and be like, we're seeing each other 24 (laughs) seven. We get zero breaks from each other. Um, and the other thing is uh, I'm, that I'm grateful for is that um, Dana started a podcast, a separate one about uh, called Popcorn Book Club, which sadly no longer is going to be moving forward. But it, I read books this year <laughs> for like the first time, and apparently I, I I only do that when I get paid to do it. So if anybody is out there wanting to pay me to read books, I'm very good at it. I've learned how to do it. Ready to go. You know what? Reading books is a huge, was a huge like sanity saver this year. I think I, I, I have like 
I think I read, not to brag, but to brag because I've done literally nothing else. Um, I think I read like 70 books. Oh, that's insane. Oh, yeah. my that's, God. That's like we'll be, two two plus books a week? It's like a little more than one a week. Yeah. What? Like what? I, It's because, okay, so this is the trick. If you sit down with a timer mm-hmm. nope. and you set it for 20 minutes and you don't look at your phone for 20 minutes and you just read, like then you get a good head of steam going in. And usually when the 20-minute timer goes off, you want to set it again for another 20 minutes. So if you've been reading for 40 minutes, that's like – between 40 and 50 pages, you're already 50 pages in. If you read 50 pages a day, it's not that hard to finish. Like 50 pages a day, 300 page book, six days a book. Easy. <laughs> okay. I was like proud of myself. I was going to be like, I read seven books this year. <laughs> yeah. We, for the book club, we did like a book a month. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's a lot more manageable for people oh that have to leave who the house. Who are not as for- good as Aaron. That's more for any reason for people who are not as good as Aaron. <laughs> no, it's for people that have to leave the house for any reason or have any responsibilities besides <laughs> themselves. Um, but it's like, yeah, I think books are a really nice escape. I've read a, I read a couple that like really made you, did you read Mexican Gothic? I don't know what you're no, saying. I heard that that is very yeah. good. It's like a romp. It's a, <laughs> it's like a 1950s. It's set in the 1950s in Mexico. And it's about this like plucky heroine who's like a young socialite who goes to a mysterious mansion in the jungle to figure out why her cousin is going crazy. Ooh. And it's like, oh. and then by the end, it's like a full on batshit insane horror novel. I cannot recommend it enough if you want to forget mm. that you're where you are. Erin, I think of you as a plucky heroine. That's like funny. Oh, like I agree you with think that. of you as a plucky heroine who was a socialite. You know what I mean? Like this is like that whole, yes. that description sounds very much like how I envision you. So I feel you know, like I want to read by it. socialite, you mean that when I was little, my brother and I used to trap barn cat kittens and train them. And then, uh, that's, that's what my socialite life uh, kind of was. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Christmas uh, or the holidays if you don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, what do you normally do for, you know, your holiday celebration with your family, if anything? And how is this year going to be different? Dana, yeah. I'm going to start with you. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, the seventh night, but this is sort of when it trails off and you kind of forget to light the candles, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I will, usually my Christmas, if I was home with my family, which fortunately, unfortunately I haven't gotten to do this year, uh, and we can't do, we would go down to Chinatown in Chicago and have a big Chinese Jewish family dinner and then go see a movie together. Like that is the classic, like if everyone's home for the holidays, you go out, you have a big meal and you go see a movie. Like that is a good Christmas memory. And last year, in Los Angeles without my intermediate family, but I also did that. I went out for Chinese food and saw little women in theaters, which was a great Christmas. Mm. And this year, um, I think my boyfriend and I, if we can, are going to drive up in a straight shot to Portland to visit his family if we can do that 15-hour drive. But it'll be a different Christmas for me, uh, a a sort of COVID non-Chinese food, non-movie theater Christmas. Well, that sounds like a nice, yeah, that sounds nice. Tian, how about you? Normally, um, we, we kind of spend it on the East coast where all my aunts and uncles live. And so we'll have like a huge Vietnamese food feast. 
um, which is the best. The food is amazing. There's also always like a talent show for my <laughs> nieces and nephews. What's your talent? What's your talent? No, no, I'm too. I've grown out of it. It's for like oh, the, they the perform. Grand, they I perform. thought you performed for them. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh my god, no. Actually, she ends up there juggling, <laughs> no, spinning no, no. plates. My my little niece is like such a ham and so they like the younger ones will sing songs last year i think she sang um shape of you um that very <laughs> do you know that song, that song? Who, who uh it's um the redhead ed sheeran ed sheeran oh, yes okay she's saying mm-hmm. that i'll be um, the straight white girl here it's ed sheeran thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um and that year my aunts and uncles tried to essentially bully me into doing stand-up after her, <laughs> which was horrifying because she crushed and I don't, <laughs> don't want to follow that. And then since I said no, my other uncle was like, why don't you break dance? Because I guess I used to do that when I was, it was a, Wait, it was a you shit guess show. you used to do it? Did you used to I, break dance? I used to do a, I can do a coffee grinder. I can do a little top rock. I can, <laughs> I can spin on my back, a soft worm. These are all things I could have when I was younger. Um, but this year, uh, I'll be spending it with my partner's family. She lives three hours south. And we're just going to have like a very nice beef tenderloin. There's a new baby in the family. So there's going to be a lot of nice like first Christmas moments. So I'm going to be helping to curate a memory she won't have. Teach her, teach her how to break dance. She won't I'm going to teach her how to break dance. <laughs> it's like, I wonder if it's like, you know, when you throw a baby into a swimming pool, supposedly they will just instinctively learn how to swim. I wonder if it's the same with break dancing. Like you just kind of spin a baby on the ground and just it'll just like, them. yeah, it'll just spin them like a cradle. I'll send you a little video of me just spinning this baby. Yeah, <laughs> it does feel like their gravity, over. like the center of mass of a baby would keep them spinning. <laughs> <laughs> we have to find out. We have to find out. Uh, we, yes. Okay. We're going to find out. Uh, please do not call the authorities. We're not actually going to do this. Um, Alyssa, I feel like you're going to have a real Christmassy Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. E- explain. E- explain. Guys. Two trees. Was that, a, was that a compliment or was that? No, I'm just kidding. No, a compliment. Um, That's very my angles is having like no, a Christmas no. Christmas. It's so instead of like a lot of things, like one of my favorite things to do for years and years would be to go to uh, the four seasons and get mulled wine at the big Christmas tree. It's like my favorite holiday-ish thing or like to go to Bergdorf and buy one new ornament for the tree. (laughs) And um, I'm just, I'm making a lot of things this year, you guys. And the reason that they haven't shipped out yet is because Amazon is slow bringing me boxes with which to ship them. (laughs) But (laughs) no, every year since I was maybe seven years old, the whole family would go out for Christmas Eve dinner. And it's always like super cozy. It's a French bistro. It's the same place. And they are closed. And we're just hoping that they're going to make it through pandemic. And so I am making beef bourguignon like Julia Child. Oh, my God. We'll see. So that is my uh, so that's like my gift to the family. I hope they're listening. (laughs) Are you going to have mulled wine at home? Are you going to DIY mulled wine? Yes. So I, uh, I make a sangria. It's very tasty because it's like the mold for some reason mold at home just like doesn't work. I don't know. Maybe it works for other people. And if people are listening and they want to send me a good recipe because I've never found one. But no, it's sangria and I'm going to make uh, dinner rolls and uh, beef bourguignon. And then 
And I'm making cookies today that I hope are still see, fresh by see, next week. See, Alyssa is one of these people that is thriving in Quar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she is somebody who's like, you know what? The pandemic unlocked something in me. I am thriving. Can that I, is what I'm hearing. No, you know what? You can't see her right now, but she's wearing a thick red cardigan and just talking about <laughs> Christmas feels like. <laughs> Wait, and no, you know like, what it is, you guys? Is for me... When I have thrived in a job, it's been some place where I achieved something every single day where I left and I was like, okay, here's what I, I achieved today. And for me during quarantine, it was important for me to find things where I could look and be like, okay, I, I did things because otherwise I will genuinely get depressed if I feel like I'm not doing anything. So yeah, guys, I just got <laughs> on YouTube tutorial the shit out of some baking stuff. <laughs> I feel like the the beef bourguignon is like a very like mid-century fancy dinner. Yes. Yeah. Like it's 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 like one of the dinners that like that that endured. Um in in a cookbook alongside of several recipes for like savory gelatins. You know like the, <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what I'm going for, dude. That's exactly it. It's like let's just take it back in time with our shiny bright ornaments on the tree and <laughs> <laughs> we'll update the glug and mulled wine with some sangria. Okay, and the mulled wine though, Trader Joe's has a mulled really? wine like mix, like a like a like a juice. It's like winter wassail, they call it. Really? And yeah, you just follow the. It's just like you pour it in, and you pour some wa- red wine in there. You can throw in some like brandy, um, and then two cinnamon sticks, and heat it up. And it is, I think, good. Uh, I'm All just right, going to tell you, in the, in the country, there's no Trader Joe's for 65 <laughs> miles. <laughs> That's yeah, why Trader- I've become so self-sufficient, you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Trader not, Joe, I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm not a big mulled wine expert, but uh, Humbleberg, I went to Denmark and they had a thing called Glog, which is Glug, like- Glog, yeah. Yeah, it's like, but it has um, uh, like almonds and raisins at the bottom. So you drink it and then you just like have a little snack. Glug is delicious. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Maybe I I'll make glug. I can't find that here. That's what I was saying is why doesn't Trader Joe's have that? I want glug. Yeah, I'm going to find us a recipe. Dana, if you find you us a watch. recipe, I'll you also make glug. We'll make it in parallel. <gasps> <laughs> um, Naomi, what are you and Andy doing for Christmas and what do you normally do? Well, normally I'd be in my mom's house and we also do the Christmas Eve dinner, but it's definitely not a French bistro. We like to go to whatever's <laughs> open in the mall. I prefer the Cheesecake Factory. All right. I just like because my mom's in Jersey. So like I'm into like give me like a suburban moment. Okay, Mm -hmm. I want to be at the Cheesecake Factory. I want to be at the Pancake Sweatshop. You know, um, (laughs) I just eat all that stuff. And so we would do that at night, you know, just dinner early. And then we would go back. You'd wrap the presents. You know, everyone kind of like you go away while I wrap your present. You know, everyone takes turns like leaving the room. And then the next day, always, again, like we're all adults. So it's not like we need to do all this. Like, you know, we decorate the tree. My mom loves to decorate a tree. And then we would the next day, honey, you got to see whatever Blockbuster is dropping. <laughs> and that's like, it's like, I always eat like a waffle in the morning or pancake with a bacon. And bacon is a Christmas treat. I don't really eat mm. bacon much, but ooh, crispy bacon. Mm. And then I have a little crispy bacon. Then I get myself together. We go see a Blockbuster. So, so then we can be together without having to talk to each other. That's the best. <laughs> and then, um, and then you're done. And I, I really miss that. I miss like, you know, I've been saying this whole time. I don't really miss restaurants, like going to eat in them, but this is, will be the time I do. Cause that's like the one thing we kind of all do where it's like, we're just gonna eat some garbage tonight mm-hmm. and like, just, you know, and then 
lay on the couch after and digest mm-hmm. as a family. Yeah, that's like that's definitely something I'm going to miss this year. My we usually so the Ryan family has a bunch of weird holiday traditions. We all used to go over to my grandma and grandpa Ryan's house and there was like my dad was one of six and uh his oldest brother, I think I mentioned on the show before, his oldest brother had down syndrome. And he lived with my grandparents his whole life. And so when Stuart was still alive, we, Stuart was like kind of the most beloved person in the family. Like whatever, everybody was like, he was, he was really awesome. And everybody just kind of like whatever Stuart wanted to do, that was kind of like what we did. And one Christmas he, someone was listening to like a Christmas album that had, I think it was maybe John Coltrane had a bunch of saxophone solos and we just watched Stuart pretend to play the saxophone (laughs) along for like 20 minutes. Um, but we also used to do like when, as an adult, I would go home and stay at my parents' house. This is actually going to be the first year, uh, of my life that I'm Mm. not going to wake up on Christmas morning at my parents' house. Yeah, I know it's, it sucks, but it's like, you know, we'll do two Christmases next year. We'll exactly. do like a, that's how I yes. feel about 2021. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll go home. I haven't been home in the fall for a really long time. I'll go home in the fall and then I'll go home again in Christmas. Um, but yeah, we usually like Christmas Eve. Uh, so nobody in my family can like sit still. Um, so we kind of are grazers. My mom will just like put the food out and everybody just kind of like eats when they want. And it's usually like cheeses. It's like, yeah, it's like a Wisconsin smorgasbord. It's like hard yellow cheeses and Ritz (laughs) Ritz crackers, cranberry spreads, uh, wild rice dips, you know, like that sort Mm. of Wait a minute. What's that? All right. That's delicious. Yeah. I'm coming over to the Ryan's for Christmas. This sounds fun. Rice into dips? You can do, you can make anything into a dip if you believe in it. Um, but my mom would like, yeah, it's just, I don't know if we've ever had a Is it like rice, rice and mayo? What's going on? What yeah. is it? Like, oh, it's like, oh, Guys, I found it. You, I found it. I found it on the internet. What do you <laughs> dip in it? it? Like a cracker, like a hard cracker. But, uh, and you put it on like carbs. Like, guys, carbs? A- guys, cheesy wild rice dip. Ooh. Cream cheese, smoked cheddar, wild rice, some herb seasoning, Worcestershire, horseradish, and mayo. Does that sound about right, Aaron? Uh, that sounds about right. That's yeah, a, okay. I have truly well, never making it. Never okay, heard of that. And you do amazing. crackers in the rice? Yeah, you do, or you take a little knife and you put some on a cracker oh, and you. This, this sounds is delicious. This is Caucasian culture. This is what this I was. Is you <laughs> love it, Naomi. This is what I'm learning. <laughs> not, like, you know? not when you say it. See, when you said everything in it, I'm out. Right. But if I just saw it, I would eat it. You know what I of mean? Course. Like when you tell me like cream cheese and mayonnaise together. Mm-hmm. What? I was going to say, no, was no, that no. the repellent super yes, white part of it? together. Okay. You know, it's like one or the other, honey. But if you put them both in, I'm like, no. But like, you know, if I just saw it, I would get into it at the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I feel or, the same or, way. Plus the mis to me, the misuse of rice. But again, <laughs> everyone's being creative. <laughs> uh, why I'm making this. It, Wild rice is a treat. It is expensive, but it's a treat if you can find it. Um, but you can't taste it. You're wasting it in a dish of cheesy mayonnaise. No, Guys, I will be the judge when I make texture. This. It provides. Te- it's like a little crunchy because it's a it's wild rice. It's it just trust me on this. <laughs> um, so like we would just kind of graze. We usually just kind of watch keep a low buzz going the whole day. Everybody's always nurse. It's a very Wisconsin holiday. So everyone's kind of nursing, nursing a beer or a glass of wine. We're not really a hard liquor family, but we'll just spend all day drinking nuclear spotted cows and then go to bed at like 8 PM because it gets dark at like 4 PM. It's like above the 45th parallel. So um, sometimes we'll go on a walk at 3 PM as the sun is going down, down my (laughs) 
parents like icy road. Um, my parents got snowshoes last year, Josh and I put snowshoes on and went on a walk in the woods with the dogs. Um, my parents have a big dog named Lyle. Um, my, my dad wanted to name him John after himself, but my mom was like, you can't name a dog your name. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I will miss being with my family, uh, this year, I think we're probably going to drive around and see some Christmas lights. There's some places in Los Angeles, some, some neighborhoods that really go all out. Um, I'll, I'll I'll text you offline, Naomi, and and let you know, like it's like a, it's a fun like holiday treat, and you can sit for all of it. Yeah, I like so. lights. I like lights. I will say a couple of places in a neighborhood are kind of like decorated their trees. I really love a canopy of lit trees. That's what I discovered mm-hmm. about myself. Mm-hmm. And maybe Dana, this does connect to love actually. But I love a canopy <laughs> of lit trees. And like when I'm under them, I'm like, I literally said to Andy two days ago, I was like, you should propose to me again under these lit trees. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like no. there's a uh, there's a street called Christmas Tree Lane in Altadena where they decorate these big tall trees that are surrounding <sighs> the and you oh can God, drive down it. it. It's like a mile, a little bit more than a mile long. It's really cool. Ooh, thank you for letting me know that. I love You're I, I would like to put out a warning though. If you are paying for a light experience, be careful because I did that last year with my family and there was like a light parade and we sat in our car for three hours. I think it was like 20 bucks a car (laughs) and the light parade was terrible. Like, <laughs> I don't, I think it was like a few badly placed elves. There was like an X, there was like an extreme X game section where Santa was jumping over things, but the lights weren't working. <laughs> the lights were not working. It was a very sad, weird oh, no. light. <laughs> so, sad. so just be careful. Right. That's great advice. If you like, why don't pay, don't pay for something for you can just drive by yes. and look at usually. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of places, like if you Google best places to look at holiday lights, if you live in a city that you didn't grow up in, um, you can find it pretty easily. But um, I want to move on quickly before we um, have to let Alyssa go off to her, her day of Ma, Ma Inglesing. <laughs> um, what are some of your goals for 2021? Whew. Whew. Somebody. I haven't, you know, I haven't dared to dream in so long <laughs> that, you know, I, I, I just, I just like, it's like, that question is just very heavy because I literally have just divorced myself from outcomes for the last nine <laughs> months in a way. I don't, you know, just basically how the year is gone. I'm like, don't like plan much. So yeah, I don't know if anyone else has a dream. I just, I'd love to hear it. Uh, read more a la Aaron Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> books, I thought books. I read enough and now I hear that and I'm like, okay, up my reading game. Um, <laughs> I also, I'm. In, currently in the process, I'm moving in. I'm my boyfriend. They're moving in together. What is now. going on? I know. Oh, I know. Wow. This is insane. <laughs> I know. That's wow. clearly. But no, it's you, great. I'm, this COVID relationship. It's a COVID relationship. But right now, I'm like planning love. on moving and like I'm organizing everything. So now my my New Year's goal is like figure that out and do it. I've never lived with someone before. Like figure that out and do oh. it in a organized, semi cohesive way. Let me just give you my, my only advice for a woman who is about a straight woman who's about to move in with a boyfriend for the first time. When you figure if if you both trade off cooking duties, really try to like positively reward cleaning while you cook. Mm-hmm. Because guys, <laughs> men don't do that. Mm-hmm. Men don't do that. And oh, you will. <laughs> Like, and you will like leave the, you know, you'll be like, okay, you know, one of us cooks, the other one does the dishes. That's a system that most people have. 
when I cook, I'm like cleaning up yes. constantly. Yeah, and when it's yeah. time to do the dishes, the dishes are the only thing left. I've put the dishes by the sink. Like it's all the food waste is in the garbage. Um, when <laughs> men, Josh doesn't do this, but you know, when, when other men cook, they just leave everything out. It's like pans with stuff in them and, and food, like packages that are open. Okay, Cleaning my cook. My partner has a very mask energy in the kitchen then because she <laughs> is not getting cleaned up. And she has a bad habit of like keeping drawers open oh, and like oh, cabinets no. open. So it's, just hitting oh, your no. head left yeah, and right. Yeah. <laughs> so Dana, that's another thing too. Get ready for some things you learn about your person that you did not know that they were doing when they're alone in their home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Right. Looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're going to learn about yourself, what your secret alone things are, because when you live alone, so you're like, I don't know if I would do this in front of somebody or not. You're going to start to like feel shame about certain things. Yeah. Like I used to make myself solo cheese plates. Like I would, <laughs> you're ashamed of that. That sounds delightful. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, not it's where I thought gro- you were going. <laughs> It's a you gross know. thing to do in front of somebody who is not also eating cheese. From the cheese right. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's like that's one of my alone things. It's like if there's a night for whatever reason that Josh is like, Josh went to take a, a drive or Josh is out like on a run or something like that, I will be like, Yeah, time to eat some cheese. <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a journey, Dana. I can't I can't wait to can't wait to go on it with you. I'll follow um, follow that, back, yeah. That's that's so exciting. I'm I'm really excited for you guys. That's so great. Alyssa, I feel like you have goals for 2020. No, I actually have none. I have none. Really? No. Not a single goal. No, I cuz I <laughs> feel like Naomi, like I've just really gotten through 2020 and I'm afraid that if my goals are too lofty for 2021 and things don't pick back up until like April or May, that's going to be like a long time that I sit here thinking I failed. So mostly I'm just going to try to stay healthy. I'm going to keep making jam. I'm going to segue into marmalades for January wow, and February. Okay. Wow, segue into course. marmalades. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. You know, think about working again at some point, doing what <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> we'll see. Mostly my plan is to try to stay upbeat. Yeah, I think that's really important. I'm, I've tried to make... I got asked by an old uh, coworker of mine the other day what my 2021 resolution was because she was writing something about it. And uh, I I think that my brain kind of got thinking along those lines. And so I've made some goals for myself that I think are like attainable and don't depend on other people to happen. So like I've really enjoyed being outside a lot this year, like going and enjoy. I mean, and I'm lucky to live in a place where I can drive to like a bunch of like state parks and national parks and stuff like that. And that's been the highlights of my year have been spending time outdoors. So I think um, there's a couple like national parks in California that I've never visited before. Mm. And I think it'd be cool in 2021 to take a trip up, maybe like, you know, go to Mount Shasta or Mount Whitney or something like that. There's just like a lot of cool outside stuff. So that's something that the pandemic cannot clo- mm-hmm. can prevent me from doing. And that's like an attainable goal. Um, I also want to get rid of like half of my clothes. Oh. I realized during the pandemic that I have too much, too much stuff <laughs> in my house and I need, I need to have less of it. Every time I've like spent so much time scrolling through Instagram, looking at these beautiful interiors and nobody ever has as much shit as I do. I just need to get rid of some of my shit. Aaron, they do. They just hide it before the Instagram yeah. picture. Well, maybe I just need a big shit bin 
to throw my shit in. Can I tell you the best part? <laughs> We're having construction done uh, at our house and they brought a dumpster. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was oh, like, yeah. can I use this? They're like, you're paying for it. And I <laughs> I have made use of it. And you're right. It is, it is, if I haven't used it in a year, there needs to be serious thought about why and then it has to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't dump. I don't dumpster clothes though because I no don't no no not tend- clothes other yeah shit. I don't I don't tend to wear clothes out and I try to give them away if I can in New York City there's some really in like a major city there's like really good um, like if you have nice clothes that you want to give away there's like really good places to give it to that like help people dress up for job interviews and stuff mm-hmm. like that which is definitely something I would recommend I'm probably going to try to do that in LA it's just it's it's a large task. Um, I also am like super afraid of getting my blood drawn have been since I was 12. Just even the thought of it gives me the willies. And I think 2021 is the year that I like try to get over it. Huh. Like I will try hypnosis. I will Ooh. try, oh. you know, I will like do what I need to do to get over being afraid of getting my blood drawn. Aaron, there's an incredible company called Theranos. <laughs> just a dream of a woman. A strong woman. A, strong woman. a girl boss, if you First, will. A, girl a black turtleneck. Ladies are doing it for themselves. They're doing it and they are getting just finger pricks. Uh, and you can find that every- <laughs> And there's a 20 20- percent chance your blood comes back right (laughs) (laughs) I'm willing to take that risk I think it's it's great um Tian do you have any 2021 goals I mean I I don't have any I'm trying to stay away from like career goals because I feel like that feels really overwhelming I have been saying recently that I want to flip something so that could be like or rehab something I just want to like I've been watching a lot of um uh, van HG. life videos and like HGTV. <laughs> and I just want to take something and make it nice and new. So like my in-laws have a cabin that is, uh, falling apart, um, on their property. So I've, I was like telling them that I want to flip it and like rehab it. And they're like, okay, Tian. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I've never used a saw in my life, but I'm going to do this. And they were like, okay, just draw up a plan and do it. So I, that is kind of my goal. I did walk in there with my partner and took pictures and I walked out and I was like, oh, that's, I think I bit off a little bit more than because <laughs> the floor is warped and the walls are kind of decaying, but I think I can do it. That is, I want to, I want to rehab something. Oh, that's that's, a, that's really that's cool. a good one. I just want to do stuff with my hands. That's a good goal. Yeah, so we'll that's see. definitely a good, that's definitely a good goal. Well, I think that we all. I mean, congratulations to all of you for making it through 2020, and I'm really glad that you were all here for this episode, which is dropping on Christmas Eve, um, because uh, yeah. And so, Merry Christmas to all of you. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we have to let Alyssa go off to something else. But we have uh, a Fight Club to end all holiday fight clubs. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be right back. The Crooked Store's latest collection has a clear message for anyone trying to take away abortion rights. Don't. The No Trespassing collection features four different designs, each inspired by a different state where abortion is under attack. There's Stay Out of My Swamp for Florida, Stay Out of My Hole for Arizona, Stay Out of My Prickly Pear for Texas, and Stay Out of My Strip for Nevada. But obviously, I'll be wearing these no matter where I am. 
A portion of proceeds from the collection will go to Vote Save America's F-Bands, the Fight Back Fund, which currently is supporting abortion rights organizations across Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. Head to cricket.com slash store to shop. And welcome back. We are almost to the end of the show. But before we get to this edition of Fight Club, a little bit of housekeeping. It's the holiday season and you don't want to be left with a bad taste of an unfulfilled wish on your wish list. So do yourself a favor, head over to crooked.com slash store and you can grab yourself some limited time holiday merch from your favorite podcast. Obviously, Hysteria. We have a Hysteria themed desk calendar that has 12 amazing illustrations in it. Um, it is a real treat to page through. We also have adorable Eleanor mugs and Midge Podcat mugs. Don't end the year in disappointment. Head to crooked.com slash store now and treat yourself. And second announcement, but probably more important than the first announcement. We're just days away from the January 5th runoff in Georgia that will determine control of the Senate. If you're ready for a new year, a new Georgia, a new Senate majority leader, hello, we need to get rid of Mitch McConnell, head over to votesaveamerica.com slash Georgia to find something you can do in the home stretch. No matter where you are, there are ways to support groups on the ground in Georgia doing the work. There'll be volunteer opportunities available right up until the polls close on January 5th. So sign up for a shift today at votesaveamerica.com slash Georgia. Okay, the house has been kept. Now let's move on to Fight Club. Okay, every year at Christmas, there is the annual discourse about whether or not Christmas things are problematic. For years and years, when I was young, it was about baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) Is baby, it's cold outside actually a terrible song about a predator. Um, In recent years, we have moved past Baby It's Cold Outside and on to Love Actually. (laughs) Um, The movie Love Actually came out in, I believe, 2003, and it is a British rom-com about uh, love and Christmas. (laughs) Uh, I think everybody who's, who's listening at this point has probably seen it. Otherwise, why are you listening to us talk about a movie you haven't seen? So in 2013, um, at the time, actually, she was my colleague, Lindy West, wrote a takedown piece of the movie Love Actually about how much she hates it and how bad of a movie it is. And uh, it was like a mega viral piece. People shared it all over the place. And every year since then, there have been people trying to kind of replicate the virality of the piece by (laughs) shitting on Love Actually. Now, enter Dana Schwartz, um, current American luminary. And columnist and author, she wrote this at Bustle. No, love actually is not problematic. Dana, can you explain um, why you believe love actually is not problematic? Okay, well, I I mean, problematic is just like a catch-all phrase. So mostly I was trying to explain that like in Lindy West's takedown piece is very funny. I think it's like sort of the canonical takedown of love actually. And uh I really enjoy it. I think it's really funny, but I also genuinely enjoy the movie Love Actually. And so I want to point out to people that sort of this internet cottage industry of pointing out like, if you like zoom in on anything, you can find out the ways it's it's like funny in a wrong way or bad. Um, but also if you zoom out, you can be like, no, okay, this is a nonsense movie about people who don't relate to actual human behavior in any meaningful way. This movie is cheesy as hell. It's not trying to like 
inform or uh, educate. It's just meant to entertain. And on that level, if you enjoy it, that is okay. And you do not need to be shamed for it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Does any, Tian, Naomi, do you have anything to say about Love Actually? Well, it's a master manipulator, you know, a truly manipulative piece. I haven't seen it in years. I remember when I saw it when I was young, it's like, I used to be a romantic. Now my heart is crusted over. So <laughs> now I have no interest in it. But I remember thinking it was cute as hell. But I also was like, you a messy bitch, love, actually, because <laughs> it opens by talking about 9-11. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Like, it was just like, st- like from the beginning, they're literally just like, don't you miss humanity and connections and it's like oh okay love actually i get it so i think it's a very manipulative motion picture but it's a cavalcade of stars and it is it is cheesy as hell it is like cute as hell to me it's like the only hallmark movie to go blockbuster like it's a blockbuster Mm -hmm. hallmark movie and i will Mm -hmm. also posit is there like a christmas movie that is not manipulative to some level like that is exactly what it's trying to do and i'm gonna say it succeeds you did not mm-hmm. need 9-11 in a Christmas <laughs> movie. Uh, I feel like I've gone in a wave of my Love Actually experience. When I first saw it and when it came out, I was like, this is, this is beautiful and fun and funny. This is what romance should be like on multiple levels with different people. Um, and then I came out and I was like, this is straight propaganda. I can't watch this anymore. And then... like happiest season came out which I have very strong feelings about and I was like okay great a gay movie like a gay Christmas movie this is for us I watched it it is not for us so straight propaganda it is straight propaganda (laughs) as well um and so I bet if I rewatched love actually that I would fully enjoy it because it was when I I remember watching I was like oh this has a lot of rom and it has a lot of calm and I'm into that (laughs) whereas other holiday movies are like Real bad. Like, happy, I'm sorry, but I did not enjoy Happiest Season. Other holiday movies that I've seen do not have as much rom and as much calm as Love Actually. So I'm on the Love Actually train. I might rewatch it. And you yeah. have to you have to rewatch it having no expectations beyond like yeah. this is gonna be a fun Christmassy movie. And you get like seven of Britain's most charismatic stars doing like little mm-hmm. vignettes like that. Just yeah. What other movie gives you that much bang for your buck? You get <laughs> so much British yeah. bang for your buck. You know, I think that there is something that feels a little bit like, okay, who likes love actually mostly women, the rom-com audience, mostly women. Um, there are a lot of, equally stupid movies that men love in large numbers that don't, that aren't in the like, his, like the cultural crosshairs as much. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, I saw, I tried to watch big trouble in little China one time. It is unwatchable, <laughs> unwatchable. And the straight, straight man that I tried to watch it with was like, this movie is so fun. It's great. I was like, no, it is unwatchable. I feel like love actually is straight women's big trouble in little China. Also <laughs> to backpack on piggyback, backpack, piggyback, piggyback on something that Dana was saying. Um, I think that the thing about Christmas movies is like, it's a tradition holiday where we do the same things every year over and over again. And because we're doing these things over and over again, we're paying a lot more attention to them than we would if they just passed us by the one time. Mm -hmm. And if you pay close attention to almost any movie, you're going to find that it's bad. And almost every holiday movie is particularly bad. Home Alone 
a, sh- a movie about a terrible mom and a, a sadistic, <laughs> sadistic little boy. Child. He is horrible. I mean, my theory is that Kevin is dead in Home Alone, which I wrote a whole piece about. Um, he's a he's an <laughs> evil spirit, and the Wet Bandits are trying to drag him to hell. Anyway, <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer also very deeply weird. Frosty the Snowman super weird, mm-hmm. like an anthropomorphic pile of. Snow the main, comes alive. The main part about Rudolph, and again, maybe this is like a Jew, like hearing these traditions from the outside. The thing that really bugged me about Rudolph was the only, then all the reindeer loved him. Like they only like him because he's useful. Like he, yeah. once, once his nose <laughs> serves a purpose and Santa's like, no, this will be helpful. Then all the reindeer loved him. That I mean, that's why I like most people. I know they have to be useful. <laughs> like, I, think I get that. I mean, that I think hurts. it's, I think it's an allegory for growing breasts, you know, like when you don't before you, when you're a little girl and you don't have breasts, yeah. none of the boys pay attention to you and then you grow them and then all the reindeer love you. When I had, so. when I had boobs, I also was able to get through the snow better too. <laughs> they yeah. block yeah, the yeah, snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to lead yeah. Santa's sleigh with your boobs. Um, also, you know, the nutcracker, I have railed against the nutcracker. The nutcracker is the weirdest thing ever. And it is so weird that we're like, let's take our kids to see the nutcracker. It's such a weird story about a creepy old man who gives a girl a haunted doll that comes alive and she fights some rats trips balls and at the end of it flies away on her bed it's that's so how, that's what it's about yeah yes. i think i've only maybe I've seen, seen like parts of it yeah the i've christmas never seen photo. it i just know the ballerinas yeah. dance the christmas a, story is also upsetting a that christmas w- story though is my favorite to me i, I love it but it's truth and the light because it exposes the darkness <laughs> it is of dark. the holiday yeah. it is so fucking dark and it's like yes all of this is grotesque and nonsense and it calls it out that's the only christmas movie <laughs> okay i disagree i think carol is the only other <laughs> Christmas movie. Sorry, Tizzy. I'm sorry. Movie. I'm sorry. Yes. I don't get a platform like this all the time. And I just want to say that Carol is an incredible Christmas movie. I know I'm being a stereotype right now, but it has everything. It has holiday season. It has a road trip. It has a gun from it has a gun from out of nowhere. It has a like it has coats. It has, it has really coats. good coats. It has high-waisted pants. It has incredible. It has Kate Blanchett being a straight-up daddy. It is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I think Elf is a good holiday. Movie, I love but, Elf. Mm-hmm. Love Elf. Elf. Because, but it's because it like acknowledges its cartoonishness. It doesn't try to be a silly movie. Also, I recently rewatched Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Ooh, Vacation, yeah. and I was like, I think. I think that Josh and I are the Todd and the Margot of our mm-hmm. block. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it. Who are Todd it. and Margot? They're uh, the, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, mm. are their yuppie neighbors and who are annoyed by Clark Griswold, who is trying to have a great holiday mm-hmm. by being a total fucking dick to everyone around him. <laughs> and uh, the the neighbors are just sort of like snobby yuppies. And like, there's one scene where they come home from working out and they're drinking water and we're supposed to be like, we're supposed to hate them because they're like healthy and doing activities. And I was like, God, I'm fucking Margo now. I'm Margo. 70 books, baby. (laughs) 70 books. I think part of the love actually hate, like you were saying, Aaron, it's like a holiday of repetition so that there's something so like, not clickbaity, but yeah, like people want to read like, oh, this thing you've been doing is secretly, you didn't notice, blah, blah, blah. And it's also like so embarrassingly earnest. Like there's no snark to liking love actually like love actually literally opens with a thing about 9-11 like it is the opposite so of, of, sincere yeah it's so embarrassingly sincere it's like 
the polar opposite of people who say that their favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard, who are trying to be like, kind <laughs> right, of cool. Right. But yeah. now I'm saying it's come around the other way, where if you say Die Hard is your favorite Christmas movie, I'm like, all right, you're like, get off Bumble. That's yeah, like a little yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you oh. own Infinite Jest and only read the first five pages. Yeah. That kind of personality. Because you were me. like, I don't want to read. The like, I'll say I love The you. Holiday with by Nancy Myers. If it's on TV, I will watch the entire thing. Oh, I do like thing, The Holiday. Is that, the I Kate, do. is that Kate Blanchett? Kate Winslet. It's always Kate Blanchett this and Kate, Kate Blanchett, Blanchett that. Sorry. And look at her wearing those pants. She's and obsessed how great. with Ocean's 8 because Kate Blanchett is giving us like rocker vibe. Daddy. She is. Yeah. She, she is. She's loving <laughs> people around. Um Okay, we have to wrap up this fight club. It wasn't really a fight. I think it's no. kind of fun to spar over holiday stuff. I want to say the the best Christmas movie though is um Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, yes. Sorry. Aaron. Muppet Christmas. Fully yeah. on board. It's so Aaron. good. A Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol itself is weird and 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 kind of too it's hokey. But when you put Muppets in those roles, it suddenly makes sense and it's a very touching holiday I gotta say I can't see Muppets for more than a half hour when it gets to (laughs) if it's getting to be like longer than that I'm like there's too much flopping around I can't I just don't like it I'm sorry I'm not into Muppets as well Yeah, it's like really uncomfortable I don't know I detest when Muppets interact with people (laughs) and people like treat them like they're real like I'm like this is literally a puppet and I don't like that we have to engage in this nonsense that's what makes it so good why do we have to ignore that there's like an adult human just like at knee level trying to be. <laughs> That's the best part is that in Muppet Christmas Carol, Michael Caine plays it so serious. He never tips his hat. He acts like he's I a I know, and we should not require that of Michael Caine, okay? <laughs> he is a treasure, and there is no reason why he should be bringing that royal Shakespeare realness to a goddamn puppet. <laughs> <laughs> but he does, and we should be he grateful. Does. He does. Uh, he does. Wow. We don't deserve um, it. No. We, he's, he is a true treasure. We must protect Michael Caine at all costs. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, I think we we had we went to some interesting places in this conversation. I really want to revisit this Muppets thing because I love the Muppets, and I have like a lot of theories about like Muppet preference and how it like it will um, predict your adult problems. Like whatever your Muppet, whatever your favorite Muppet was when you were a kid, like oh. can predict your adult problems. Well, cause all the Muppets are just like these extreme emotional, like these extreme representations of like emotions to like help familiarize kids with like navigating the world. And I think that it, whichever one you were drawn to is like who, something. Who is your you. favorite Does that Muppet, include the, the Sesame street mm-hmm. people too. Yeah. Okay. So I liked Oscar the Grouch and Cookie Monster, and my adult problems are uh, being misanthropic and messy and uh, being hedonistic. So those are those are my problems. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> and that's the show for this week. And that's the last episode of the year. Thank you to Naomi Ekparagan for joining. Thank you to Tien Tran. Thank you to Dana Schwartz. Thank you to my ride or die, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Thank you to Ense Ufat for all the work that she's done for Georgia. And thanks to you, the listeners. It has been a hell of a year. And I feel honored that you've been with us through it. Here's to hoping that 2021 has some better stuff in store. 
there will be more hysteria for you next year. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Narmel Konian and Magic Root. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week.